Uh, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, that where I am there you may be also. Amen. Thank you, Lonnie, for lifting up our hearts and hope to that soon, soon coming. I long for that day. Um, Are you thankful today? You've got breath in your lungs? You've got eyes that open wide? Amen. Um, And today is the Sabbath day. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to especially just just to extend my thank you and gratitude to the ladies, Georgette, and other ladies who planned the baby shower for my wife and son. Um, Like I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Thank you so much for taking us in as part of your family. It's it's a blessing to be a part of this family. Um, I just want to make sure that, uh, that we're all on the same page here. We are... We're on the last leg of our journey through newness, our journey to newness, right? New year, new you. Uh, This is our final and fourth part of the series. Uh, Next week, we'll start a new series, and I could give you a preview, but I was thinking I would like to just keep it a surprise for now. Is that okay? No. (laughs) No, we're going to start a new series. Um, I believe God is leading in a direction in which we'll, we'll look at disciplines of discipleship throughout the month of February. Disciplines of discipleship. And so... I've been excited as we've been going through. Uh, John 3.16 has been our theme text all the way through. New year, new you. And if you were here uh, for part one, you, you were with us as we looked and we stopped and we heard the very heartbeat of God's love. And in part two, it was the new year, new you. It was seeing the heart need of humanity. And though we are blown away by sin's depth and depravity, We're also blown away by salvation's completeness, salvation's far reach for you and I. And last week was part three. We looked at the life in Christ. What does that life really look like? And we we made two lists. We saw that the life in Christ is not the life in the flesh, though the life in flesh can pose to be like the life of Christ. And we looked and saw that the life in Christ is really the life in the Spirit. And it's, it's a victorious life. It's a resurrected life. It's a life of victory, not by moral force, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We talked about the difference between the good fight and the wrong one, the right exercise of the will and the wrong one. And we saw that it's not victory by willpower, but it's by placing our will in his power. And oh boy, that's a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. And so I, I'm just so excited because we've been talking about this idea of living a life of entire surrender and entire consecration because that life of victory, it's, it's, it's experienced as we crucify and bury the old and are resurrected to the new. And since then, I've been so encouraged. I've had a few conversations with several young people, several young adults, and young parents who are just sensing God's leading to the waters of baptism and we're making plans, and soon we'll be making plans with others. But I just want to praise the Lord for what He's doing in your lives, and I want to affirm the working of the Spirit in your hearts and minds. You know, several of us may still be thinking about that, may still be wondering if that is a step I need to take. And if that's you, then I would love to talk, I would love to pray with you. I know God is leading you, and I want to be a part of just cheering you on in that process. Um, and so if there, are, if there is any of us that are thinking about that still, please, let's talk. Let's talk. But the life in Christ 
is a life of complete surrender. And this is such an amazing life. Jesus calls it an abundant life in John chapter 10, verse 10. And the question we want to ask today is, is there more? Is there more than, this, than, than the life of complete surrender? And I believe, I believe the answer is yes. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible says that the path of the just, the NIV says, the path of the just is like the first gleam of dawn. Have you ever been up to watch the sunrise before? It's ju- it just pokes up over the horizon. But if you just wait long enough, it'll become the full light of day, right? It grows brighter and brighter to the full light of day, full light of day in Proverbs 4, verse 18. And so is there more to this life? Yes. Yes, there is more. There's always more. There's infinitely more in the life in Christ. And so today is part four. New year, new you, part four, doing the works of Christ. Because I guarantee you, you know, you may be asking, whoa, whoa, can I get any better than this? I mean, I get a new life. I get a resurrected life. I get a victorious life. Well, here's the thing. Life in Christ isn't just about what we get. It's about what we can give. All right. And so here we are, part four, doing the works of Christ. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, you've opened up your word in the past, and we long for you to do that once again. We know that your Holy Spirit leads us into all truth, and so we claim the promise that he would lead us again to truth today. And Lord, we long to live for you. So please reveal to us this this call that you have on our lives to live out the life of Christ, not just for ourselves, but for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus. Let the family say, amen, amen. Amen. All right. So we're we're departing a little bit from our tradition the last three weeks. We've started in John chapter 3, verse 16, but today... We're starting in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And maybe some of you remember how to find Ephesians. Does anybody remember? Go eat popcorn. Oh, whoa, good job. (laughs) All right. So we're going to the New Testament. You got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So Ephesians is one of those little letters from Paul to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. When you're there, say amen. Amen. All right. If you're still looking, that's fine. Now, Ephesians is a powerful letter from the Apostle Paul. The first three chapters, he basically spends just, I mean, he's glorying and praising God for all that he has offered to us in Christ. It's powerful. When you read through those first three chapters of Ephesians, it's like Paul is just on this high horse of just saying, yes, God, you're so good. He's giving high fives to the angels. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. And he's essentially saying that through Christ, God has worked a miracle. He has created a new humanity, a new reality that we can live in. And so it's appropriate that as we're looking at the life in Christ and everything that God has to offer to us, that we go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 4. We're going to start in verse 4, and we'll see how Paul has, has captured the essence of the gospel that John 3.16 has as well. So Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Bible says, But God, who is rich in, what is the next word? 
mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us. Paul is, is glorying in the heartbeat of God's love. You hear it? All right, verse 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he recognizes the reality of our deep need. That apart from Christ, we are dead. We're on death row. But Paul keeps going. Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. This is the life in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Can you just see the big smile on Paul's face as he's writing this? This is so awesome, he says. Now he keeps going. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through, what's the next word? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Again, we're talking about a victorious, resurrected life. Not by your own force, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast, period. Nobody has a right to boast when it comes to salvation. Only Jesus saves. I'll say it again, only Jesus saves. Now, if we were to stop right here, we could have a complete sermon, full to the tummy. Thank you, Jesus, for everything in Christ. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul doesn't stop there. In fact, he goes on to verse 10, and it's almost, if you're a musician, it's like the crescendo, you know? It, it, this is the, the climax of where Paul is headed. He says it in verse 10, so we're not going to stop short. For we are his workmanship, the New King James says. Amen. Created in Christ Jesus. Four good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now we're going to slow down now. And we're just going to zero in on verse 10 today. Because here in verse 10, Paul is unveiling three radical realities of newness. This new life that we have in Christ, it has, three, it, it has three significant implications. We're calling them three realities of newness today. So if you've got a pen, you can start writing. Reality number one is new identity. New identity. Take a look at that first phrase. For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. Maybe your Bible says we are his handiwork. Does anybody's Bible say that? The idea here is that God has created a work of art. In fact, the Greek word is poema. Poema. It sounds awfully close to our English word poem. The picture is of God as an artist. God as pouring himself into this thing that he himself is crafting and designing. And that design has a name. It's you. It's me. And so here, Paul is saying, look, because we have this life in Christ, you and I have a new identity. We are not children of death. As he says earlier on in chapter 2, we're not children of wrath destined to death. We are actually a new creation. We are the handiwork of God himself. Amen. In fact, I was looking at it, and the, the, the way that the original language is written the order of the words, it, if you were to literally translate it, it goes like this. For his, we are workmanship. 
In other words, the emphasis is on the his part. We're not just any, I mean, like, you and I can look at each other and we can look at the mess in our lives and we can say, whoo, he or she is a work of art, <laughs> you know, a piece of work, you know. But no, 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 it's not just we're any work, we're God's work. Amen. Now think about the biblical picture of God working. What stories do you think of? But think about the biblical picture of God creating. Now what stories do you think of? Genesis chapter 1. And do you notice that after every single thing he creates, God, like, like a, any good artist, will take a step back and he'll say, it is good. It is good. I want you to hear something this morning. When you're in Christ, you have a new identity and it is good. Amen. This idea of of being God's workmanship. It speaks humility and beauty. First of all, we're God's workmanship. We're not our own, right? I think it's what, Psalm 100? It says, For you have created us, and not we ourselves. Isaiah has this thing going on uh, several times in his book. Um, we are the clay, and he is the potter. In other words, the clay can't just talk back to the potter and say, what do you think you're doing, you know? We're the work. He knows what he's up to. And so being God's workmanship should clothe our hearts with humility. And at the same time, it clothes our hearts with beauty. The work of God is not a mistake. When he recreates the life when we put our trust in Jesus, you may feel like you're filled with brokenness. You may feel like you're filled with scars. You may feel like you're filled with, with a track record that has nothing to recommend itself. And though you may be right, we walk not by feelings, but by faith. We are the beautiful workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. And so reality number one, we have a new identity We've been given humility and beauty all wrapped up in this idea of being God's handiwork. Take a look again, Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, new identity. Next phrase, created in Christ Jesus. What are the next three words in your Bible? To do good works. Mine says for good works. All right, so if reality number one is a new identity, reality number two is a new purpose. It's a new purpose. According to this verse, what is the purpose for our recreation? What was the end goal, the target in mind? What, what do you see there in this phrase? For we are created in Christ Jesus for? To do good works. For good works. Now, now let's, let's make sure these, these are good works, which means that there are bad works too, right? <laughs> Now, now, we're not talking about works as a source of salvation. We're talking about works as a result of salvation, okay? So because we've been created in Christ Jesus, saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast, but we have been recreated for good works. Now, question, what good works are we talking about? What is this? I mean, Last week we were talking about uh, the life in the flesh and life in the spirit, the works of the flesh and works of the spirit. And yes, while that is included, I believe that this sense of good works that we've been created for 
is more. In other words, we've been created in Christ Jesus not just to be holy saints, although we have been, praise the Lord, but we've been recreated in Christ for humble service. Okay? Now, just look a couple chapters to the right. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, this idea of work or works shows up again. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. Ephesians 4, 12. If you see it, say, I see it. All right. So in verse 11, he says, Jesus himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. He's talking about spiritual giftedness. Now notice in verse 12, for the equipping of the who? Now who are the saints? Amen, all right? God's people, people who have been called out, set apart by the Holy Spirit. All right, for the equipping of the saints for the work of what? Okay, maybe we've got different versions, different translations. Mine, in the New King James, it says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah, for the work of ministry. So when we're talking about good works, when Paul says, hey, we've been recreated in Christ for good works, yes, he has works of holiness, works uh, that, are, that are right and true in mind, but he also has works of ministry in mind. This idea of good works, uh, the phrase good works, um, think about Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Jesus says, uh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify who your father in heaven so these good works are different from bad works these good works are not those works for self these good works are works for the savior they're they're works of service that demonstrate the goodness of the savior another time in the new testament which this phrase good works appears is in acts acts chapter 9 it's a story of a lady named tabitha do you know her other name Dorcas, that's right. Her other name was Dorcas. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, the Bible says that her life was filled with good works and charitable deeds. And when she passed away, the community around her felt the loss because they depended upon her good works. They depended upon her strengths and passions, her giftedness in ministry. And they realized that without that, the body of Christ was incomplete. And praise the Lord, God resurrected her through the, power of, uh, through the power of Jesus' name through the Apostle Peter. But here's the idea. When we're talking about good works, in Ephesians chapter 2, we're saying, whoa, we've been created for a particular purpose. There's a new purpose. See, okay, so maybe it's just me. But if you're on the same page, I, I don't know if I'm the only one. But a lot of times when I think about the Christian experience, when I think about salvation, my mind tends to think, only about what I do for myself. Um, I'm trying to think of how to articulate this. (laughs) When I think about the experience of salvation, oftentimes my view is limited to me becoming a better person, me becoming a better daddy, me becoming a better pastor, or whatever it is. You know, uh, it's me having victory in my own sphere of influence. But here's the point. Paul is saying, that when we're recreated in Christ Jesus, the good works that we're made for, it's not just supposed to impact your own little bubble. The good works that we've been made for are good works of ministry. 
In other words, the life in Christ isn't just about getting victory, it's about giving service. And that, that's beautiful. I mean, we see this uh, throughout the natural world. Actually, um, you know, every now and then, we, my family and I, we try to take time on a weekly basis just to have family fun day, you know, maybe take a couple hours where we can get out or just, just have some time together. And so this Thursday, we went to, I think it's called Caswell, Caswell Memorial State Park. Yeah, just outside of Ripon. And, um, you know, I, I, it was our first time there, so we were just kind of hiking around, followed a few trails. We found a little river. I'm not even sure what river it was. Uh, Mr. Reeve, can you tell? <laughs> Stanislaus. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Anyways, so, so, yeah, we were just, you know, hiking around, hiking around. And then we, we got off one trail. We saw this river. Jenna just had a ball throwing sticks into the river. <laughs> it was beautiful. Just the simplicity of that entertainment. Anyways, so this nice, clear stream. Then we followed another little trail, walked under a log or two, and then there is this pond, and I didn't even recognize it as a pond because it looked red. It was just this standing water that was covered in, I'm not even sure what it was, but it was something sludgy, and when we threw sticks into that, it didn't, it didn't just keep going. It just kind of, you know, just kind of sat there. And that, in my mind, it, the natural world demonstrates the reality that if you just take and take and take, you end up becoming a stagnant little pond if you have no outlet. Do you understand that picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but then over here, there's this shallow body of water that is taking and giving, taking and giving. And you can see through it. It looks healthy. It may not necessarily be safe to drink without a purifier, but it looks healthy. And here's the reality. The Christian experience is just the same. If we're thinking in terms of, how can I become more holy? How can I be more this? How can I take on that? Without any consideration of how can I give? Then we become a stagnant pond. But that's not God's design. According to Ephesians chapter 2, we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Whoa! <laughs> The Christian experience, this life in Christ, isn't, while it has so much to tell us about what we can get, it has even more to tell us about what we can give. So we've got a new identity. We are God's workmanship. We've got a new purpose created in Christ for good works. Reality number three, we have new confidence. New confidence. Because I guarantee you that if you're, if you're like me, when I, you know, had this idea like, whoa, God has something for me to do, maybe your natural reaction is to shake a little bit in your knees. <laughs> what? God wants me to do something? God wants me to say something? God wants me to do a ministry? But here's the reality. Paul is saying, no, we've got new confidence too. Take a look. Ephesians chapter 2, you're still there. Beginning, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let that sink in a little bit. Which God prepared beforehand. Maybe your Bible says, which God prepared in advance. Which God prepared beforehand. 
that we should walk in them. Maybe your Bible says that we should do them. Think about this. You're, you're following Paul's thought. You're like, whoa, new identity. Praise the Lord. We, we are God's workmanship. Whoa, new purpose. We're created in Christ, not just for our, our own holiness, but for our consecrated service. And now he's saying, which God prepared beforehand. This is a powerful reality that tells us that the good works, this life of service that you've been created for, has already been thought of and designed in the mind of God. Because maybe you're like me and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. God has something for me to do? Oh, now I need to go figure this out. <laughs> now I need to go find a need and fill that need. Now I need to put my spiritual gifts to use. But is it possible that the one who created you actually created your mission too? That's what Paul is saying. These good works that, that we're created for, God has already designed the perfect spot, the perfect place, and just the right fit. In fact, this idea of, uh, of preparing aforetime, preparing beforehand, uh, the Greek word in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's used in Isaiah 28 to talk about God uh, breaking up the soil. So it's almost as if God is a divine farmer and he's saying, oh man, there's going to be this young adult who's coming through Parkwood. And when that individual becomes recreated, oh, he's going to have this, this sense of, of mission and purpose. And I am just preparing things ahead of time. Oh, getting things ready. I'm breaking up the soil. I'm moving circumstances. I'm moving situations so that this individual can live a life of joyful, passionate ministry for others. God prepared that beforehand. Can you imagine? Can you imagine in the mind of God, he saw you and said, this individual, that young kid, that girl, that woman, that man, that seasoned individual, <laughs> that more mature adult, They've got something waiting for them, and they have no idea. Amen. You know, there's a verse in Psalm 139. Maybe you've read through that chapter before. Psalm 139. David, the psalmist, he's just wowed by God. He says, man, you saw me uh, even while I was in the womb. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. You knew my substance before I was born. Right? You've read that chapter, right? And in Psalm 139, verse 16, he says something. He says, not only did God see my substance, my physical being, not only did God design for me to be born, God actually, he says that my days were fashioned by you. In other words, God didn't just design for you to be born. He actually designed your days. He planned with intimacy, creativity, and intentionality each one of our days. Now that just, I mean, that's something I need to sit down and think about for a while. Because suddenly, my life doesn't need to be a rat race of, oh man, what should I do now? God has already fashioned that day for you. It doesn't have to be, oh, I've got, to, I've got to do a ministry now? What am I supposed to do? 
God has already fashioned that ministry for you. For you. He fashioned it. He prepared ahead of time. And it says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, so we've got a new confidence about this ministry, this call to service. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be anxious. A am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? No, God has already designed it. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, actually, let's, let's take a look there. So just keep a bookmark here in Ephesians 2. But in 1 Corinthians 12, just a little bit to the left, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we can take a look at verses 7 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. When you're there, say amen. amen. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. I'll start in verse 7. It says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to a few. Whoa, 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 whoa. What is that? Oh, boy. Okay, let's read it again. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to those who are up front on the platform. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to those who are nominated by the nominating committee. Let's read it right. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, and notice the last three words, as he wills. Amen. Amen. Do you know that in the will of God, there is a spiritual gift, a ministry just waiting to be unleashed through you? Amen. <laughs> and it doesn't require a nominating committee to say so. And this isn't to debunk the process that we've got in place. No, no, no. It's just to say that God places people as he wills. Amen. And so we can never limit that. We can never limit that. You and I can have a new confidence in Christ Jesus, knowing that, it, that this Holy Spirit wants to gift you for ministry. I hope we don't carry the mentality that ministry is for someone else. I hope we don't carry the mentality that ministry is by proxy. I hope we don't carry the mentality that ministry is to be hired out. <laughs> now, just because uh, I may carry ministerial credentials, it doesn't mean that I'm the only minister. Because God has called each one to ministry. Actually, this is a very subtle change, but in your bulletin, at the very bottom after the order of service, in your bulletin, we've made just a subtle change to reflect our conviction that we are all ministers. After it says the benediction, there's a bold box that says this month's leadership team. You may remember that in weeks past, it has said 
this month's ministry team. Did you know that? And this wasn't to communicate the idea that only these people on this list are ministers, but in order to avoid that misunderstanding, in order to avoid that misconstruing, we've just called it this month's leadership team. In other words, everyone's a minister 24-7. Amen? So we're all on the same ministry team. Can you say amen to that? All right? Now, some of us may serve differently. According to 1 Corinthians 12, he goes on to describe the, the body, the physical body. Some are the foot, some are the head, some are the ear, some are the eye, you know? And just because you're not one and only the other doesn't mean you're any less valuable. No, not at all. The head cannot say to the toe, I don't need you. Because once that toe gets stubbed, boy, does that head know it. Right? Friends, the Holy Spirit has given each of us gifts to use for His honor and glory. And I'm excited to be part of this ministry team. So excited. So here we are, three new realities. A new identity. We are God's workmanship. A new purpose created for good works. And a new confidence knowing that God created these things beforehand. Now, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, it's actually very cool. There's one last phrase that we didn't catch, but I think it adds and supports to this confidence idea, which God prepared beforehand that we should, maybe your Bible says that we should do them. New King James says that we should walk in them. And the Greek word, if you take it literally, it's that we should walk around in them. And you kind of wonder, like, what, what does that mean? And the idea that it's supposed to communicate is that this is the complete circuit of life. Like, this is how we live life. It's not just, let me say it like this, it's not just a program, but it's a way of life. In other words, when it comes to being confident that God has prepared these things for us to do, when we become confident that we've been gifted by the Holy Spirit for ministry, suddenly ministry isn't just something we do every now and then. It's not ministry that turns on and off with the, with the light of a switch or whenever the calendar says so. It's ministry as a way of life. And I love the Greek word, walk about in them. It, 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 it kind of communicates this almost like a strutting about. Like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is how I do things. Yeah, <laughs> you know? It's like walking in a pair of shoes that you know fit. And that's what ministry is like when it's by the power of the Spirit, knowing that He prepared it beforehand for you to do. And so I realized that this, this kind of a, a message in which we explore the, the life in Christ as a life of service, it may, it may impact us, it may hit us at different ways and in different levels. Now, maybe there are some of us here who have found that fit. You are active in ministry, and you are just going full throttle because you found what brings you joy. And I just want to say, praise the Lord for that. Amen. Keep on keeping on. Amen. You're using your gifts and it's growing stronger by the day. Praise the Lord that you found your fit and keep depending upon the Holy Spirit who gives you gifts for ministry. And if that's you, then, then I just want to encourage you. I want to say that your service is valued heavily, heavily valued. And let me just add a, another challenge. Is that okay? 
to those of us who have found our fit, who are, who are going full throttle in ministry, let me just add this challenge. Would you also be open to being a talent scout on behalf of God? Amen. To look and discern for others who share that same gift, who share that passion, and whom you can mentor into serving alongside with you. That's a challenge, I think, you know, because once we find that fit, we take such ownership of it, and we're like, yeah, this, this is great, because you know, as well as anybody, the joy of the Lord is found in service. And you're thinking to yourself, man, this is so, I can do this forever. And many of us actually have. <laughs> but I would just urge you to share that joy with others, to, to bring someone under wing. And, and I see this in so many of our leaders, um, I'm so encouraged by the fact that we've got young leaders being trained into different things. And I would just say, keep doing that. Share the joy of service with others. Let others work alongside with you and discover their spiritual giftedness too. Maybe there are some of us who, who are here week after week. We're present, we, we know and we value the life of Christ, but, but we're somewhat unmotivated when it comes to, to really living a life of ministry. And I, I know that's, that's not something that we, we want to admit, but maybe, I mean, I've been there, I've done that. I would have rather been a pew potato than, than really getting out and, and doing things for God. And if that's you, I would just, again, cast before you that picture that God has given us life in Christ, not just so that we can get, but so that we can give. You know, don't, don't, be, don't become the pond that becomes stagnant, always taking in, always taking in. Look for a way to give an outlet. And, uh, and if, again, if that's you, I mean, go back through the steps that we've been talking about this whole month. Go back to hear the heartbeat of God. Go back to see your need for, for a Savior. And go back to really recognize the life that we have in Christ. Go through that. And, and I guarantee you, when your heart is converted, when your heart is renewed, its first impulse is to share and to serve. Amen. Now, maybe there are some of us who are willing, but we're directionless. Now, I've had a few conversations where we're like, ah, oh, I, I, I just, just talking to a friend of mine earlier this week, I, I feel like I want to do something for God. I feel like Isaiah, you know, in Isaiah 6, where he says, here I am, send me, but I'm not quite sure where to be sent. And if that's you, if you're in that boat, I would just, you know, here are some questions. You may want to write these questions down. If you're wondering, what's my spiritual gift? What's my strength in ministry? I would ask you two questions. What makes you come alive? What makes you come alive? What are, what are the things that make your heart beat fast? Okay? And when you ask yourself that, you kind of get a sense of, of where your passion in life lies. But the second question I would ask you is this, and it might seem awkward, but it's, it's actually very helpful. What about others easily bothers you? Is that a weird question to ask? I mean, you don't have to like, talk about this out loud with other people. <laughs> but, but ask yourself, what about others easily bothers me? What about others easily bothers me? And then you start realizing that it easily bothers you because it comes easy to you. Okay, maybe this doesn't make sense. Uh, let me just give you a personal example, okay? <laughs> so when I started thinking about, okay, what, what is it that easily bothers me? Well, 
I found that it easily bothers me when I see people doing things that are inefficient. Um, when I see people taking extra steps that they don't need to be taking. And, and it just kind of like irks me. And it helped me realize that one of, one of the things that comes naturally to me is doing things in an efficient manner. Uh, another thing that bothered me, um, actually a lot, <laughs> well, anyways, something that, <laughs> that gets on me every now and then is, uh, is miscommunication, being misunderstood. And I realized that one of the things that comes naturally to me is an attempt to be fully understood. Like, I, I really want to articulate things in a clear way. And so that's something that, that I think God has given me as, as, as a personal strength. So now think about it for you. What is it that easily bothers you about other people? And ask yourself, maybe it's because it comes so naturally to you. Maybe that's your strength. And how can you use that strength in ministry? Does that make sense? Hopefully that will give you some clarity and direction. Okay. So you're willing but directionless, then ask yourself those questions. Okay, how about this? Maybe you're willing, but you're not confident. Maybe you say to yourself, I don't know enough to do ministry. I'm just a baby Christian. I, I, I don't have very much experience. Well, let me tell you a couple of stories. There's this woman at the well that Jesus met in John chapter 4 had one conversation with Jesus, recognized who he was, and that very same hour brought the whole city to Jesus. No seminary training, no, no mission college of evangelism, whatever. <laughs> she had a real encounter with Jesus, and she brought the whole city to him. You don't need a ton of experience. You don't need a ton of Bible knowledge. Not to say that Bible knowledge is not important. I heard someone say it like this. It's not about spiritual IQ. It's about saying, I will. It's not about IQ. It's about, I will. I'll do it. I'll do it. Because when we make ourselves available, God makes himself responsible. These are gifts and good works that God has prepared beforehand for us to do. So if you're willing but not confident because of that, then, then let God do his thing. <laughs> Make yourself available and he'll make himself responsible. Or maybe you're just saying to yourself, I have such a broken life that I have nothing to give. And that's very real. And that may be very true. But I would say that it won't be true for long. Because when God gets a hold of your heart, he's going to use you to bless others. In fact, this morning, my wife shared with me this awesome passage from, uh, it was a quote from Testimonies, Volume 2, page 121. Did I write it down? I don't know if I wrote it down. Let me check it out. No, I didn't write it down. Okay, it's, it's Testimonies, Volume 1, uh, excuse me, Volume 2, page 121. She basically says, um, if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling broken, you've got nothing to offer, she says, hunt up for yourself someone worse off than you. And when you find yourself bringing that person to light, you're going to find yourself in the light too. So if you feel broken, like you've got nothing to give, start looking for someone that's worse off than you and notice how you walk into the light yourself. You know, I'm telling you, service is, is something that is healing looking for the needs of others and meeting them, it somehow places our focus off of our own problems and on to the power and glory of God in someone else's life. 
And so if that's you, then, then just say, I will. Make yourself available, and God will make himself responsible. Anyway, so today, three new realities, three simple truths, and I really pray that we can join together, band together as a ministry team here at Parkwood Church. Um, th- there's this thing called the 80-20 rule. Have you heard of that? The 80-20 rule? That 80% of productivity is due to only 20% of the participants. <laughs> it's a rule in economics, and, and it's a rule in, in yeah, consumer economics and things like that. And some people have seen it in, in groups and organizations. But I pray that here at Parkwood, we would flip that ratio. That, 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 uh, that 80% of the work wouldn't be resting on just 20% of the people. I say, hey, let's flip it. Because if, if 20% of the, of the people are doing this great amount of work, imagine if we're all joined in, hand on, hands on deck, all hands on deck, saying, yes, here I am. Send me, send me, send me. So, who's with me today? Here I am. Send me. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, um, the life in Christ isn't something that we just want to take for granted. The life of service is something that we could easily just roll our eyes at. But Lord, this is the life you've ordained for us beforehand. And so God, I just pray for a recreative work to be done in our hearts and lives today. Would you please call upon us this new identity that we have in you? Would you please recreate us for a life of service? And would you please empower us by your Holy Spirit to do the work of ministry? Thank you for the privilege of being a part of this team. May we join together and look for opportunities. May we not discourage one another as we seek to serve, but only encourage one another in our service for you. This is our prayer. As a family, we pray this together. In Jesus' name, let this family say, Amen.